Recording in progress. Hi, everybody. So the topic for tonight is the Rajbam's approach to magic. And the reason why this topic is relevant for this week is because of the fact that the the Sukkim and Parsha Shaftim mentioned various different recourse to the occult that we are not supposed to be taking advantage of. So, all of these things are not appropriate for a person to be taken a part of. The Pasuk concludes, We should be wholesome with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we shouldn't be taking advantage of these non-wholesome um, activities. So what I wanted to explore tonight is what is the Rajbam's opinion about these various different um, magic, uh, I don't want to say magic tricks, um, because the Rajbam certainly wouldn't, but we'll maybe we'll touch on, if we have some time, we'll touch on those that held that these were magic tricks rather than magical implements. All right, so let's start with the Rajbam. The the puzzle that I want to go to the beginning before we get into um, these specific things that are mentioned in this week's parsha is in relation to something that we mentioned back in parsha's Matos Masse. You will recall that the Rashbam had a significant difference of opinion with really all the other commentators. The Mepharshim explain that there's a there's a big machlagus in the Rishonim. What's the reason that when the what's the reason that when the uh, Jewish people beat out Midian in the war that they came to Moshe and they said, "Avodecha." Nasu, right, and we want to give all these presents to, to the Mishkan. After the battle with Midian, when no one was killed, the Jewish people came and gave a big, um, the army, the people who had fought in the army, came and gave a big present to the Mishkan. So why did they do that? Why did they give a present? So the Rashbam says something that's different than the other Mepharshim. The Ramban, for example, says that the reason that they came and brought a present to the Mishkan was because of the fact that it was a thank you. It was like a carbon taida. It was we were in a dangerous situation. We survived. Not only did we survive, and if God and wish, no one died. So we're coming to give a gift as a as a token of our appreciation for the fact that we had this battle against Midian, it could have been dangerous, right? They killed Avi, Rechem, Chor, Tzor, Reva, etc. Chamesh, Zmach, Midian. It was a dangerous battle. Veis, Bilam, Ben, Be'er. And no one was lost. The Rajbam doesn't say that. The Rajbam says, you know why the Jewish people brought this present? Was because they wanted to count the people that had come back from the war to see had anyone died in the war? Had there been any fallen people in battle? It wasn't like in the, uh, it wasn't like in the you know nowadays, where perhaps you can have people you know being monitored electronically. This is in the olden days. People could drop, and you would never have any idea that the person was lost. So the only way you would know is if you count everybody who survived, and if the people who survived matched the people who left, you know, to go fight the war, then you would know then no one died. But if it was less, then you know that the people didn't return were people that either absconded, went, you know, went, they went AWOL, or they died. So the Rashbam says that before they wanted to embark on this count, they had to first offer up something akin to the Machsa Shekel. They had to first offer up a implement that would be counted as opposed to them because otherwise they could be potentially open or prone to having a magefa. Now the problem 
before we get to the problem, the, the, that is the Rashbam. So according to the Rashbam, why are the Jewish people giving a present to the Mishkan? The present is not saying thank you to Kodesh Baruch Hu. It's a way of averting a Magaifa that could open up on them if they counted without using an implement. So according to the Rashbam, the gift, the matana that they're giving is effective like the Chatzis Shekel that Meshur Rabbeinu commanded in Parashat Kisiso. Now it's not 100% clear from the Rashbam what the Magaifa is. It sounds like, you know, in an English translation, literally a plague. But I think, and again, I've mentioned this point in the past, that the Rajbam says a few times when it comes to the Mishkan, both in Chumat Tetzavah and also in Parashat Yikra, that he's only going to say something if he has something to add to what Zikani, to what Rashi said. Again, it's not 100% that he holds to it, because sometimes he says things that Rashi says the same exact thing. But using that idea, I think it's fair to look at what Rashi says on Parshki Sisa. And Rashi says that the reason that there's going to be a negaf, the reason there will be a negaf is because when you count, something becomes susceptible to Ayin Hara. So when something becomes susceptible to Ayin Hara, it could cause damage. The way to avoid that damage is to count using an implement. How that works, I don't know. But it's not really my point right now to discuss. My point right now is to say is that according to Rajbam, perhaps we can argue that since he goes so vite as to say to worry about counting, and even the circumstances that you know perhaps are warrant accounting, um, you know coming back from the war, even if Hashem didn't command, it's warrant accounting. It's not like you're counting for no reason. Nevertheless, that must be done with an implement. And he goes so far as even if the Torah is not mentioning it in that way at all, from the Torah it's not mashma whatsoever, that the counting that they were doing was using an implement at all, right? Because remember, everybody's giving different things. It's not like a maksa shekel, they're giving tabas, ogil, chumas, they're doing all sorts of things. So because they're giving all sorts of things, how could you say that it's equal in any way? One guy's giving a tabaz, one guy's giving a, a, a chumaz. I mean, they're not the same. They don't have the same value. It will be impossible to make the argument that everybody was giving something of equal value, even though they were giving different objects. So it seems to me a stretch that the Rajbam nevertheless is making, presumably because he holds that Ayin Har is so bad, and because he holds that the damage can be so great. That would be my argument, and that would show as a basis or opening statement for, for tonight's class, that according to the Rajbam, the power of the evil eye, the power of things unseen is so great that it must be avoided, it must be it must be um, it must be minded, it must be tended, cared for, and people need to be careful about such powers. Because if not utilized correctly, it could cause great harm. I think that's a good a good introduction as to what the position of the Rajbam will be. Remember that we've said numerous times that according to the Rajbam, it is generally speaking, he is commenting very short, very coarse, it's very laconic. So when you write something many, many times on the same point, it's clear that by him this was a big point. We've only mentioned this a few times that he holds of certain issues again and again and again. One we pointed out was by Kaychi Ve'etim Yadi. He is constantly, you know, talking about that, or more than he would normally you would expect from him normally to talk about it. <coughs> so the 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 the. Um, the place I want to begin here, in relation to, in relation to the topic of magic, is in by the golden calf, by the egel. So if you go by the egel, the pasuk says that what the Jewish people do. Meshur Rabbeinu didn't come down. By Aram he's not here. So what do they do? They go to Aaron. They 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 try to cajole him to make them. Asilano elahim, Ashiyelchol, Fanenu, Kizem, Meisha ish. 
We have no idea where he went. So he does. Right? And he throws it into the fire. And what do the Jewish people say when they see this ego? They say something unbelievable. They say about this ego. This is the God that took us out of Egypt. And it's mind-boggling. Not just the fact that it's a getchka. No, what's mind-boggling is that they could think that this object that they created today is the thing that they took out of Egypt. How, how could it be? They just created it today. So, the Rajbam is bothered by this very much. He says the following, Were the Jewish people fools? He says, Were the Jewish people all a bunch of fools? That that what do you call they 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 create this object today on monday and on a monday afternoon they start saying that this, this object was around really three months ago how, how could it be right this thing was just created today did they not know that this ego did not take them out of egypt they must have known. They couldn't be so such so foolish. So he says, Everybody who worships the these constellations and these various different geshkas, So the Rajbam says something very important. He says that everybody understands that Hakadosh Baruch omniscient, omnipotent, infinite God, creator of the universe. No one mistakes that. Ach, You want to know what the mistake of the Evdeh Vodazarwai are? Shehatrofim yesh bahem rachtuma. These trofim, these gechkes, these objects have in them some impure power Similar, although one is pure and one is impure, similar to the Nevi'im who are speaking with divine inspiration. So again, according to the way Rajbam learns, and you remember, of course, the Rambam, in the beginning of Hilchas Avodizar, and the Rambam said that the way Avodizar came to be was that in the Dar Enaish, they began to think of themselves as not being able. Oh, I should, you know, go for a little bit further back. He says that initially what happened was that they felt that these constellations were servants of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they deserved to be honored as they were incredibly colossal. They were obviously very powerful and they deserved to be honored as well. Not honored for their own being, for their own sake, but honored as exemplary servants of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In the same way, if you would have some big rabbi, right, if you would send his gabai to you to go talk, you would give him a covet, you would honor him because he's the big rabbi's gabai. So too, the the constellations are, as it were, the gabai of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so therefore you give him honor. What happened, says the Rambam, is that eventually they forgot that these were just servants. And they started viewing them as intermediaries. They started viewing them as having independent power. And they started honoring them just for who they were themselves. Just for the son, for being this quasi son. Not for the son being a servant of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Rashbam is not going with this. The Rashbam is saying that all of know that there's a creator. They're not fools. They don't think that this piece of wood created the universe. It's not like Avram Avinu's, you know, little measure says, going around breaking all the geshkas and they thinking that this one created the world. And then they got into a fight. This is not that. People are more sophisticated than that. Give them more credit. According to the Rajbam, everybody who's worshipping these geshkas, it's not that they think that this gechka created the world. They know that this gechka was created yesterday. What then? 
They know that God created the world, but they think that this Gechka has power. Has power from the Kerach that's parallel in a sense, from the power that the Navi has for Ruch In the same way as pure divine inspiration, there's impure divine inspiration. And these Gechkas can have access to impure divine inspiration. And he continues, the Svurim, and they hold, And they felt that this objects that were able to talk was parallel or or equal to speaking like a Navi with the Ruach with divine inspiration. And therefore they said, Therefore, they said, this is the God that took us out of Egypt. Climate, what does that mean? Ruach HaKodesh Yeshbai. This Egel has the divine inspiration in it. And it's like the Ruach HaKodesh is going before us. In other words, they're referring to God. They're not referring to this Egel. They're referring to the inspiration, the thing that is animating this Egel. And they're saying that this power is what took us out of Egypt. Now, maybe it's a stretch from the words. Because Eilah sounds like it's referring to this ego, not to the inspiration or the divine inspiration within the ego. But let's not quibble on that. The point that I want to bring out, really, is from what the Rajbam is saying. That we're not so foolish as to think that this being that they created yesterday is the one that created the world, is the one that took them out of Egypt. That's not what's going on. Certainly not, at least by the Jewish people, that's not what's going on. Rather, what's going on is the Jewish people 100% know that Kosh took him out of Egypt, and not this Gachka, not this Ego. Rather, this Ego is animated by a Kayach that is akin to divine inspiration, akin to Ruach HaKadosh, akin to, as it were, Kaviach or And that's what they could say. This is what took us out of Egypt. So he continues, and he says the following: Vechain, he says, Lavan Omar al This is why Lavan, back in Pashas Vayetze, you recall what happened over there, right? Laban is not treating Jacob so well. So Yaakov Avinu, he knows it's time to go. It takes him a long time to go. Right? He's fighting for six years. He changes his wages repeatedly. But eventually, he's able to get out from Lovin's clutches. And what does he do? He absconds in the middle of the night, right? He goes. Lovin was going out to do his business with the sheep. And Yaakov runs. And during that period, he gets a head start before Lovin finds out. The puzzle tells us, she steals daddy's gechkas. Now there's a big, again, Machlagas, we showed him, why did she take these trophim? What was the benefit of taking these gechkas? What did she want from them? Says the Rashbam. Lovan said, When Lovan caught up with the Yaakov, he said, you know, <laughs> I couldn't even kiss my grandchildren. Right? You went out here like robbers. In the middle of the night, stealing away. And why did this take my gods? Why did Lovan use the term gods? Says the Rajbam. It doesn't mean that Lovan is referring to gods. He's referring to gods in the sense that I'm talking about, in the sense that the Jewish people refer to the Egil as a god. It's not that it's a literal god, it is has power that is akin to Ruach HaKadosh. It happens to be a Ruach HaTumah. But that's what animates it. That's what gives it power. And that deserves worship. Continues on the Rashbam. In order to test the Jewish people, Nosan by Ruach HaTumah is why Hashem gives these various gechkes the Ruach HaToma. In order to test the Jewish people. Shalachol mine machshefes. Ve'ayvi yedayni. 
Koyach boy lahakish pamalya shalmala. In all of these things that we mentioned in this week's parsha, all of these things, all of these um, are types of magic that all have power, and all of that power is real. It's legit, and it was given to them in order. <coughs> To test the Jewish people, because by putting in a ruach atuma there, and the Rashbam uses very strong language, giving it the empowering these magical acts with the ability to be makish the pamalishamala, the ability to, as it were, whatever that means, to go against, as it were, what God wants. An independent power. And to tell you about the future. So this test will prove, it's a litmus test to find out, Are you going to be wholesome with Hashem God? Remember the end Pasuk, after talking about these various magical activities, is Your job is to be wholesome with Hashem. And you shouldn't have amongst you somebody who's practicing any of these things. You're not supposed to believe something that's a sign that's coming from the impure powers. Like the Pesach says, Hashem is coming to test you. To find out whether or not you love Hashem or not. This is a test. So what do we see from here? We see from here that the Rajbam holds that the ego had power. It had power that was real. It just came from Rachatoma, not from Rachatara. It didn't come from Rachakaidesh. But it had power. It's legit power. Its power goes so far as to be Makesh the Palmaya Shamala. So the Jewish people weren't being foolish when they said El Yisrael. So they, didn't, they weren't being foolish. They weren't thinking of it literally that this eagle took them out. They were thinking of the divine inspiration that was animating that eagle. And that, in fact, did take them out of Egypt. Except for the fact that the thing that's animating it is coming from the Ruach Atuma, whereas what took them out of Egypt is the Ruach Hatara, as it were, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Nevius of Maishu Rabbeinu. So this is the Rajbam's position that he repeats a number of times that I want to go through. This one is, as I said, by the by the Ego. But if you look back in Bereshis, and we look in Paris Vayetzi, and see how the Rajbam talks about love and Trafim, this is what he says. He says, Vatignev Rachel asat Trafim. Rachel stole these Trafim. Why did she steal the Trafim? I remember Rashi said, that Rachel stole the truffin because she wanted to take her father away from Avodah Zarah. That's not what the Rajbam says. Says the Rajbam, So they shouldn't inform Lavan of where Yaakov and the family went. Because remember, these truffin have a power of the Kayach They have the power of the Kayach that says what? They have the power of the Kayach that enables them to say things that would not be normally accessible to human beings without such a power. Whether it's from the Ruach HaKadosh or the Ruach HaTumah, if you don't have access to such a power, you wouldn't know the future. You wouldn't be able to foretell what's going on outside of what you uh, are immediately perceiving. This object, because it has access to the Ruach HaTumah, has the ability to tell Lavan what happened to Yaakov, where he is, what he's doing, where he's going. And therefore enabling Lavan to catch up. Obviously, Lavan didn't need these Trophim to catch up. Maybe he had other Trophim, or maybe he figured it out, or with the direction, etc. That is the position of the Rashbam. And he continues, says, People use it to do Ksamim, to do magic. They use these Trophim. These Trophim were ways of telling people information that would not otherwise be accessible to them. 
So again, we see from the Rajbam very clear that these Trophim have power. They have power, they have the ability to access the Ruach HaTumma. It's real, says the Rajbam. There is such a power. Again, today with our electronic age, with all the technology, it's easy to understand that there's power that's unseen, that's untouched, that we cannot feel. Of course, if you have very sophisticated machines, it's possible to appreciate electrons and photons and things moving around. But to us, in our naked eye, we don't see the power that's being utilized in order to make things that are not anywhere clo- close to us, accessible to us. So, But using that kind of an analogy, we can certainly understand how certain objects could potentially be getting power that they wouldn't otherwise normatively have access to. All right. The, the, um, the Ibn Ezra, by the way, agrees with the Rajbam that he says that there's a power here, but it's a big site and he can't tell you about it. He's not going to discuss it with you. The Ramban, by the way, over there, is, a very, is an interesting Ramban. The Ramban's a problematic Ramban. The Ramban says that actually the, the Trophim that Lavan um, had, that they stole, that Ruffle stole, well, could not have been a Gatchka. Says the Ramban, it couldn't have been a, like a Gatchka that they thought was a real god. Why is that, says the Ramban? Because if it was a real Gatchka, he's obviously bothered. Why is Ruffle taking these Gatchkas? Why does she want them? But more than that, he's bothered by the fact that we have later on in Shmuel a story. The story in Shmuel is that David is not getting along with his father-in-law. Now, it wasn't really David's fault. He was just so successful. <laughs> he couldn't stop himself. He was just such a tremendous success. The girls are singing that Shaul kills in his thousands by him, but David kills in his tens of thousands. David's a very successful warrior. More successful than Shaul, even. And Shaul becomes incredibly jealous. Eventually, he has a, a spirit, an evil spirit that descends upon him. And it sends him to a melancholy, and he's very much attacking David. So, before it gets really, really bad, where they, you know, David has to run away for his life, the moment that he has to run away, they're coming to arrest him. So, his wife, you know, Michal sends him away. And what she does in order to delay the, the, uh, the troops, she says David's very ill. And she essentially pretends that he's in bed by putting the truffle in the house in the bed. And they think it's David. Eventually, they realize that it's a ruse, and they and they and they start chasing him. But the the fact is that David and Michal had Trufim in their house. What? Why are they having Trufim in their house? What could that possibly be? Now, it's perhaps um, too simple to say. Well, that's a normal thing. That's what people had. You know, I mean. Uh, there were so many people who had the names of Baal, you know, in their names. Their names were Yerubal. Right? What do you mean Yerubal? How could somebody's name be Yerubal? Or Miffy Baal? Right? It, 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 it sounds mind-boggling to us. The people named the name of a big gachka in their name? How could it be? These are not people that are unfamiliar to us. These are people who are shaved and people who are related to Sholomel's family. How could it be that they, we named the kids Baal? It's, it's not so understandable to me. But that's because we are living in our generation. And it's anachronistic to think of it that way. So it could be. People had Trophim. It wasn't viewed so badly. Rachel took the Trophim. David had Trophim. Okay, it's not such a big deal. Two people didn't think of it as a god. Maybe it was a good luck charm or figurine. I don't know. It doesn't have to be a Tegashka. Says the Ramban. Says the Ramban, it can't be it was a Gatchka. Can't be. Because David wouldn't have it in his house if it was a real Gatchka. So what must have been? Says the Ramban, it must have been something that could tell the future. In a sense, he gets at the same place like the Rajban, but from a different way. According to the, Raj, the Ramban, the way, what he's basically getting at is that these Trophim could not have been that great. They could not have been such you know massive powers at all. But there was some sort of, you know, good luck charm that potentially had some uh, power in it. And that's what was around, and that's what, you know, people kept in their house. 
but it wasn't an idol in any sense. Again, the Rashbam doesn't seem to be necessarily motivated by the same considerations, but they end up in a sort of similar place. The problem, by the way, the problem is that in Paras Vayishlach, after Yaakov Avinu returns, finally, right, he, he dealt with Lavan, he dealt with Esav, and now he has dealt with the story of Dina, and he's ready to, you know, hang it up, right, relax a little bit. No, of course, he has the situation of Rachel's death, but right before Rachel's death, Right there, where the Pazik tells us something very interesting. The Pazik says, the Yaakovina tells his family, He says, get rid of the Get rid of all the foreign gods. So, Yaakov takes the Nechar, and he buries him under the tree, by Shechem. What do you mean, Eliyanechar? What, what are they doing? Are these Eliyanechar? Why do they have why do they have these foreign gods? So according to the Ramban it's a problem. Because according to the Ramban, the Ramban says that the Trafim are not such a big deal. Right? But would he say the same thing about Alehe and Nechar? Is that the same thing? It could be he would say what the Rajbam would say. The Rajbam we know what he would say. Even though he doesn't say it over there. But we know what the Rajbam would say. The Rajbam doesn't hold when it says Elihe anything. Then it means literally like a god. Remember what he said about Eile Lehechi Yisrael. Or when he said about love and Lama Ganaftas Elohai. These are not real gods. They don't think of this as real gods. They know that there's a god who created the universe. What they think of is that this is a, you know, a little nice figurine that has special access to Ruach Atoma, And that's it. They don't think that they created the world. Not for a second. They just have the ability to use this figurine as a way to access information that they cannot otherwise. It's like their version of, it's a proto-internet for the Iron Age. That's all. That's all it is, is an ability to access information they can't otherwise get through their own limited circumstances. It's like, imagine you have Wi-Fi, you know, and a good connection and somebody else has none. So you're all of a sudden a genius. No, you have access to information the other person doesn't have access to. So according to the Rambam, we know what he would say. Perhaps the Rambam would say the same. He would also say, Lehi, over there, it's also not referring to Gesh, because it just means, you know, the 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 things that, uh, these figurines or whatever, that they shouldn't be having. But what we're coming out from here is that, again, according to the Rajbam, these Trophim, these Elohai, have power. They have access and the ability to, to somehow take a connection from the Ruach Atoma to inform people about actions that they would not otherwise be aware of or have access to. That is what these Truff and what these Elohai are able to impart and extract through their, through their, their special connection with the Ruach Atoma. If we look here in this week's parsha, the Rashbam says the following, says, This is a real abomination. And because the people do this, because they do these abominable activities, HaKadosh Baruch is going to throw you out. He's going to throw, he's going to, um, um, throw them out because they're doing it, but he's going to throw you out if you do it. So the Rashbam says, Why is that? Because they're not being Deirish HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the proper and appropriate vehicles. What's that? The Nevi'im. That's how you're supposed to get the information. You go to the Kayin Gadol, you go to the Urm Tumim. You don't go with these figurines. That accesses information inappropriately. <coughs> right? It's like in, in Gan Eden, without getting into it right now. The Eitz Hadas Toivarad is a tree of knowledge of good and bad. Maybe Hashem wants to teach Adam about the tree of knowledge of good and bad. Maybe he doesn't want to. But he's saying this knowledge that you're doing is inappropriate. You're not meant to have knowledge like this. Maybe you're meant to get the knowledge in a different way. But not in this way. So it's not that HaKadosh Baruch is saying that this knowledge is off limits per se. It's the means that you're getting the knowledge that's incorrect. That's inappropriate. 
the test, the way the Rashbam reads the Pazikim and Asa Hashem Lekechem, Ladas, to know Hayishchem Evim Hashem Lekechem, do you love Hashem or not? This is the test. It's you have knowledge. One knowledge is harder to get, one knowledge is easier to get. HaKadosh Baruch wants you to take a route that maybe is harder. Maybe it's not as palatable. Maybe you have to go to the Navi, it's not so easy. You have a getchka in your house, it's easier to deal with that. Maybe you don't want to travel to the base and make this to go talk to the Kayangado. Okay. But having your little figurine that you're going to be able to get the knowledge from, that's inappropriate. That's not allowed. The test is not to take the knowledge, even though it's accessible. Says the Rashbam. These people are saimech on these gechkas that tell them information through the ka'ach atumah. And that's what we are not allowed to do. HaKadosh Baruch is giving power to these various different things in order to test us that we shouldn't be accessing it. In fact, the Rashbam seems to suggest that that's exactly the reason of the Chayshin Mishpah, the reason of the Urmah Tumim. Precisely for that reason, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the Kayin Gadol that ability to have that information. Says the Rashbam, that If by the non-Jews, they're accessing this information through the Kayach HaTumah of these Gechkes, that we are having the access through the Holy, through the Ruach HaKadosh, through the Kerech that is by the Kerech Gadol, that is by the Nevi'im. And that's our job is to go access the knowledge in that way. And maybe it's not so simple. Maybe they don't give it so willingly. Maybe it has to be certain specific situations where they're willing to give you that information. All that very well and good. But that is the only appropriate way to be able to take the information. So as you can see, the Rajbam is reiterating his point again and again and again, which is again, for the Rajbam, quite unique. It's one of the few areas and topics that he finds clearly so important that he needs to stress it and stress it again. In fact, he goes so far as to stress it in the second Dibra, right? Of right? We have a Hashem and the Pazan right? You're not supposed to bring any other gods. No other gods. Says the Rashbam, we're not talking about Gechkas. Remember, the Rashbam doesn't believe that people are so foolish, at least among the Jewish people, to think that these Gechkalis are really what's created the world. That's what's taken us out of Egypt. Not the Rashbam. No, says, no way. That's not what's going on. You want to know. You want to know what means not to have any other gods before me? Says Rashbam, it means not to do magic. Not to be It means not to do the, the magic tricks, not to use the trophim that Lovan was using, which is not the way anybody, right, typically understands the Pasuk. Don't have a Gechka that you think is God. We're not so foolish to think that the Gechka that we create is going to be the God that created the universe. No way. What we shouldn't do is have a Gechka in front of us that we uh, are looking to to get access to information that we otherwise would not have access to if through the appropriate venues, we should not be going after that gachka for that kind of information. We shouldn't be kaisim kasamim. <coughs> and that's what it means. You shouldn't make any uh, golden or silver gods with me. Af alpi says the Rashbam be. Even though you believe in me that I'm the one who actually created the universe, that I'm the one who actually took you out of Egypt, nevertheless, you're not allowed to have these trophim. V'chein, when the Pazik says, B'lti l'Hashem levadai, only to HaKadosh Baruch you're allowed to serve, v'loi, right, not l'acherim, and not to anybody else. Not that you serve them, that you think that they took out 
the Jews out of Egypt. No one's so foolish to think that. So this is a very sophisticated Rashbam approach. He's reinterpreting the simple understanding of to say it's referring to to Trophim. Not that you think for a second that those things created the world that took you out of Egypt. That they're the gods of the universe. No. But to look at those things which have access to certain power and information through the Kayach and to re- use those things. So it's like you have additional, it's like a reiteration of these Lavin. Which is interesting. As a Mayna Mitzvah, right, of course we count separate Mitzvahs here. It's not, it's not the same. But that's how the Rashbam is understanding as a matter of Pshat. In fact, the Rashbam goes so far as to say that when you say Shema, Right? Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echawi. We announce that Hashem is one. Every day, right, we announce that Kodesh Baruch Hu is one. What does that oneness mean? Says the Rashbam, you want to know what it means? Loi levadei navid. Only to Him we worship. V'lanitzar v'lavadi mai el echad afil luksam ksamim. We don't bring in any other gods. We don't even bring anything, even ksamim. What's some have to do with anything? Again, I think what this means is that for the Rashbam, he enhances the power of the Trafim. He gives them access to the Rachatumah. He gives them access to some supernal knowledge that's akin to the Rachatumah. It's able to be Makhish to Pamayisha Mala. But at the same time, he denigrates. He downgrades the Oivdei Kechavim Mazalis among the Jewish people. Again, I don't know about the nations, I can't prove it. But among the Jewish people, no one's such a fool to think that their Gatchkali is what created the universe. Not at all. But they wouldn't be opposed to getting access to information, to channel in that divine inspiration that these Trafim have access to. Why not? Why do I have to wait and go to the Kayin Gadol based on Mikdash? And if he had a bad Monday, he's not available. I have it right here in my house. This Trophim, this figurine, why not access it through that? What I want to move on to now a little bit, in the limited time that we have, is to discuss what power did the Trophim actually wield? So we said, obviously the Trophim foretold the future. <coughs> but did these Trophim have the power to influence the future? I can't tell from the Rajbam what he would say about that. If we look at the Rajbam by, by Bilam, right? Bilam, the Pasuk in Yeshua, calls Bilam a Kaisim when it talks about the the recapitulation of the the, of the battle, the Machemus Midyon, they killed the five kings. Over there it calls them right, the the Sia Midian, Malchim Midian. The the Pasuk includes, and they also killed Bilam the Kaising. So the Rajbam says because Bilam is very impressed, right, with the Jewish people, right? He's, he's eventually he says so he says the Jewish people don't have a kesem. The Rashbam has a few opportunities to talk about kesemim. So the first time is when the messengers from Balak they're coming kesem beyond them. They have their kesemim with them. They have their magic implements with them. Says the Rashbam. Says the Rashbam the following. Balak tells Bilam. That I heard you're a big, big kanaker. you are. Says the Rashbam bin I heard that you have the ability to make things change through your prophetic abilities. Balak knew that Bilam was a navi, and he could tell the future, either through his prophetic abilities, or because he had the ability to use various implements that gave him access to the information. Says Balak, um, uh, the says I'm sorry, the Rajbam. That how do I know? Because the Pesach in Yeshua calls him a kaisim, but it's more than that. 
Why? Because as the Pasuk tells us, says the Rashbam, that they came to Bilam Uksam Vyadam. They came with Uksam because they assumed that he would have access to information through utilizing them. And so therefore they brought it so they shouldn't have any excuses they didn't have some available. So how he accessed the information, whether he accessed it through Navua, whether he accessed it through some is not 100% clear. But the power that's wielded by these Ksam, the power that's wielded by these magic tricks, is effectively what? The ability to get information to foretell things that aren't otherwise accessible. That's number one. And in fact, by the way, that's what we say, that Bilam is so impressed with the Jewish people that they don't do that. The Jewish people don't access information that way. They get their information from Meshur Rabbeinu. They get the information from from the Kayan Gadol. They don't get the information through using these implements. Says the Rashbam. They don't do any of these things that the Torah in this week's parasha mentions that you're not allowed to do. Why? Because they have access to this information, to these ideas, through other means that are actually pure. So therefore they don't need to access it through any impure means. They don't need to rely on a nachash or a kesem. Again, and just to conclude this point, the Rashbam holds that the reason that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave these powers, this Rashbam is in back in the Varmid Gimel, the Pazik says, that the, uh, somebody tells you, some false prophet tells you something, and it comes out to be true, and he says, let's go worship let's go serve these other gods. Says the Rashbam, how did it be that this ice and the Mephis came out to be? How is it that this thing that they foretold came out to be true. How do they know? Says the Rosh They know because they have access to this information because this is real. These Trafim have real power. They have the ability to access things that we cannot otherwise access through normative means. The only other parallel way that we can access this information is by the Karech by the Ruach HaKadosh. And if we don't have it, then the only way to get it is through the Karech and he says again, Hashem gave power in this magic, in order to test us, in order to give us chusim, if we don't take that, if we don't take that road. That's why Hashem put it in the world. He put it in the world not to be touched. He put it in the world to be avoided, like the Eitz Hadas, if you will. Knowledge was not meant to be for us, was meant to be outside from us. Yes, it's knowledge. Yes, it's valuable. It's not meant for us. It ha- it's there. We know it's there. And it's just simply too bad. And that's why we have to be tamim, T.M. Hashem We have to be wholesome with HaKadosh Baruch In this week's passion, in the limited time that we have left, I just want to touch on one other point, two other points. One is the Ramban. The Ramban in this week's parsha. In talking about the these psukim about the shor levi all these various different practices of the occult, the Ramban is a very long arichas over here. The Ramban basically says the following: the Ramban says that you should know and understand. When it comes to magic, the Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kasher Baruch Hakol Me'ayin. When he created the world, ex nihilo. What did he do? He made the Alyanim to be manhig to watch over the Tachtonim, our little world over here. V'nasan ke'ach ha'aretz v'chol asher alabak echavam mazelis. And he gave all these powers out to the celestial powers out there, the constellations. And. And that's why the Chachmas had stigness, the, the astrology has power, it's real. He gave, on top of the celestial constellations, he gave further Malachim powers over them, and that's how it goes in the world. And he says that, therefore, 
So he says basically it's possible to have powers down here that can impact the powers up there, and vice versa, of course. And then he says, so in other words, he basically views that there's levels of power, and the powers down here can impact the powers up there. And then he continues, and he says, and there are many people who say that the ability from down here to have access to information, to power, to influence, it's not real. That down here, there's no real powers here that we have that can impact the world up there, meaning the hierarchy of power. And he says that they say this Nechashim business is totally unreal. It's all fake. It's all false. Why? He says, we cannot waste our time here to contradict statements like this. He says, we all see that these gechkers, that these trafim have power. And Chazal said that these trafim have power. So what, are we going to challenge that? He says, we have no time to waste such an argument. Of course that has power. So this is the approach of the Rambam, and he's very strong about it. What is the approach of the Rambam? The Rambam, if you go look in at the end over there in Paragid Aleph, the Rambam says the following. The Rambam says, He's already talking you know, in, the, in the previous halachas about all the different types of occult practices. All this is garbage. It's all false. They were all used as cults. These were all used as ways to entice the people to follow them. But these magic tricks are tricks. There's no actual power in the magic. There's no actual power in any of these practices. The occult is the same as they say about the astrologers. It's all garbage. It's all not real. And the Jewish people are so smart, who are so knowledgeable. We shouldn't be wasting our time with such foolishness. And then he continues, and he says, Anybody believes this, anyone who believes that they're actually true, that there's substance to the fact that these trafim and these gechkis have anything inside of them, that they have actual information, they have access to things, they have access to rechato, anyone who believes any of this, and says that even though there is such information available, what could I do? Avala Torah, Sarton, but the Torah was answered to me. Right? What can I do? I would want to do all these affairs, but what can I do? The Torah answered No. Says the Rambam, anybody who says that about these trafim, anybody who says that they have power, but what can I do? I got a Baruch Hu answered it for me. That person is Einan das. That person is a fool. He's an idiot. He's like a child. She'ain daitan whose mind is not yet sound. People who are intelligent, they understand that. 100% that the Torah is answering it up to you because it's foolishness, because of stupidity that the world follows after. You know, the Rambam holds very, very famously that the Isser in the Torah of certain magic is literally sleight of hand. So when you have like a card person who's coming to do a, a, a magic trick at a party, according to the Rambam, potentially that person is 100% not allowed to be doing it, and you're not allowed to be enjoying it, because that is the Isser of magic. Again, according to the Ramban, according to the Rajbam, according to others that hold that this real, then there's no problem, because the person who's coming to do a sleight of head, he's not violating anything, there's nothing real that he's doing. So, we have a couple more minutes, so I'll tell you two more things. One, the Vilna Gaon, very famously in Shulchan Arach, in the, in the Bir Agra, says that the Rambam came across this opinion 
that the occult has no real value, it's all fake, it's all false, because of his obsession with the philosophy of the Greeks. And the Greeks didn't buy into the magic, so therefore he doesn't buy into the magic. If you remember in the letter that the Rambam wrote on astrology, we mentioned this in our Sunday secular studies classes, in the letter that the Rambam wrote on astrology, he writes that I've, I've read all the books, and it's all false. It's all fake. And he's like, you should know that it's all fake. One of his riots are, that where did this emanate from? It emanated from the fools. Right? The fools. And he enumerates them, like the Kushites and the Egyptians and, and the like. But the, the wise, right? The Greeks, they don't hold them anything about astrology. They hold it's all fa- false. It's all Irish cat. It's all idiocy. So, the last thing I wanted to do to show where it plays out, it plays out in a number of places in Tanakh. One place, of course, is the Khartoum Mitzrayim against Meshra Benu. That's one place where it plays out this month, I guess. I'm not going to get into that right now. The other place where it plays out is in relation, we mentioned Shmuel before, in relation to <coughs> David going to, sorry, Shaul going to see the witch of Eindar, right? Because of the fact that he had no access to information. Shmuel was dead. He wanted to know what was going to happen with the war against the Pelishtim, right? So his access normatively is gone. He has a Ruach HaTumah that's on him all the time. Shmuel is dead. He has no ability to access information. And the puzzle tells us over there in Shmuel that he killed out all the Ivy Adani in the land. So he has no way to get this information. How can he get it? He has to go to some witch that's been left over. And he goes to the witch. And sure enough, she's Mala Ab Shmuel, the way the Pasuk reads. And he tells them about the war that's not going to be a great success. There's a huge machlegas in the Rishonim. What was going on here? Is this real? Is this Deresh Is this, like, did she bring up Shmuel, not bring up Shmuel? So I want to give you the two sort of... Uh, the Radak brings down three approaches. We'll just mention those three and then we'll dump, uh, uh, stop. There are more approaches than this. There's, uh, there's uh, probably seven or eight, maybe more approaches. The three approaches from the Radak. The Radak says there are Shmuel Bar Chafni and Rapsadji go and agree that the woman was a liar. She's doing sleight of hand. She's doing effectively a magic trick. She's not really getting up Shmuel from any grave. She's not bringing him down from on high. That's not what's happening. So what happened? According to Shmuel Chafni, she just put on a new voice, you know, and she acted like Shmuel. But it wasn't Shmuel. It's just part of the trick. According to the Radak, uh, second shot that he brings down from Osaji Gon. She was intending to make a trick. She was a trickster. This was her job. But when she was planning to be making the trick that she's going to be acting Shmuel, Hakarish Baruch Hu actually brought up Shmuel. So the woman is a is a, is a witch. She's a, a, a practicing the occult like some you know tarot card reader. It's not real. The whole thing is fake. But, HaKadosh Baruch as it were, interposed Shmuel into that conversation. That was really Shmuel talking. And then you have the approach to the Radak. And the approach to the Radak is, I don't understand. I, I appreciate, right, he's, this is the unstated. That the great Gainim, like a Shmuel Ba'chaf, and the Gon, they, they obviously were bothered by how could it be magic being real, but magic is not real. So therefore, they come up with these convoluted explanations. But the simple understanding is what the Pasuk says. What does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk says that there was this woman who was a witch who conjured up Shmuel. And that's how the simple way to read it is. And that is the way the Rashbam and the Ramban and many others read it, which is the simple way to read it, which is the Torah is asking up something that's real. Not just simply doing it as uh, a love for, for, for practicing sleight of hand? For being foolish? No, but these things really had actual power. So again, to conclude, the Rajbam clearly holds 
that there is real power associated with these things. This is the Kerach HaTumah, that's able to machish the Pamaya Shamala, and that's what the Torah is answering it up. And the Torah insisting again and again on these points, says the Rashbam throughout, many times we've already found by the Ego, we found by Bilam, he mentions again, by the Vatum, he mentions, right? He's mentioning again and again and again these same points, even by even the idea that we always have to remember that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world and he enabled us to have certain information. And certain information he said we shouldn't have. It's not because it's not real information. It's not because it's not good information. It's just inappropriate for us. And our test is to be able to withstand the ability not to take information that's inappropriate to us. Good Shabbos. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you.